And there's a woman. Oh, there's a woman. By order of the Peaky Blinders, there's a bloody woman. Welcome into our spoiler-free podcast, breaking down every episode of the 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and BBC. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy. This is Season 2, Episode 6. And this is the best best episode of the show to date through these first 12 episodes. I don't know if you agree with me. Yeah, this might be my favorite episode. I talked about it a little bit in the uh, the Season 2, Episode 5 podcast. This is maybe my favorite episode of the entire show. It got a whopping 9.6 on IMDb, which is the best score in well series deserved. history. Well deserved. But there's one more episode that hits 9.6, but we won't talk about it yet because we haven't gotten to it. And before we dive into the description and our breakdown of this fantastic episode, go ahead and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peaky Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at By Order of Peaky. Click subscribe, click follow. And if you just tell one person about the show, just tell one person, hey, six episode season, fantastic show, you'll love it. You just tell one person, kind of slide us, uh, slide them our uh, information. We will be much appreciative. And uh, you can send us feedback, of course, once again, on email, bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com or on social media. We've had a ton of people chirping about the new season, season five, and that comes out on Netflix October 4th in the Americas. And we will be talking all about it nonstop. So excited for the new season. But here we are, season two, episode six. And Josh, the description. We're getting there. We're getting there. The description is as plain as it gets. It's great. It says, Tommy plans to execute the mission given to him by Campbell, the assassination of a high-ranking member of the military establishment. And we could start right there. I mean, the, the Derby Day, the Epsom races, when everything happened. Tommy kills the uh, the field marshal with a little help from Lizzie. Polly kills Campbell. Just an insane amount of shit goes on in a five-minute span in the show that they stretch out. Maybe five minutes of real life turns into 50 minutes of TV life, and it's great. Yeah, the Epsom lasts in for, for the majority of the episode. You don't really get that, you know, dragged out in one setting kind of episode. It's just in one place, especially with this show. We're so many different rooms, different places. We're at the yard. You know, we're in people's offices. Here we were at Epsom for a majority of the episode, and things things got testy, man. And you lightly said that Inspector Campbell got killed as if it wasn't a huge deal, but Inspector Campbell is gone. Thank the damn Lord. I was so relieved. I was like, I I actually felt like a sense of relief when I saw him saw him go. And it had a lot of similar uh, tropes as the last episode. We got a little bit of Alfie. We got a little bit of Sabini. Both very memorable scenes that we'll break down. But what's so interesting about this episode that they have not done in the history of Peaky Blinders is that voiceover intro. It starts off with Tommy reading the letter, and I loved it. It set up for a fantastically well-done, you know, uh, scheme, you know, whatever you want to call it. Something that would make Danny Ocean proud, because when you get to the ending, a lot of shows, Josh, might have a cliffhanger. Well, they'll have him sitting on top of the the grave saying in the bleak midwinter, and then we'll cut it and have to wait a year and a half, but not Stephen Knight. That would have been so brutal. I mean, what, Game of Thrones has done it before to people when of course, when, of course. Uh, when Jon Snow goes down. But, I mean, it was. I thought it was it. I thought it was it for Tommy Shelby. I'm going to be honest with you. I remember watching it without knowing whether there would be a season three, and 
Winston Churchill has other plans. He's got a job for Thomas Shelby. Can't believe that you know at the end there, I was convinced Tommy was getting. I mean, getting shot. I was firmly convinced. How is he going to get out of it? You know what I, I mean? Was like, you got these three... I was just not thinking of that, and that's why this episode is so good and why it received such a high rating on IMDb is because so many things happened. You know, shows shows reach that, like, upper echelon when when you're just... You're shook, and you, nev- you, you could have never in a million years thought that was going to be what happened. No one... I don't care who you are. No one could tell me that Winston Churchill was going to be on the inside, and that guy there was going to shoot those two guys in the head, and he was going to go out there free. There's no way. No, they were the red right hand. They were hired personally by Campbell of the Ulster Volunteer Force. It was cool they actually had Nick Cave's red right hand playing, playing in the, the middle back. of yeah, the episode for the first time. And, and Campbell and Tommy have one more encounter. Obviously, Campbell finally has to, uh, I don't even know, has to you know deal with the consequences of forcing Polly to have sex with him because Polly is the one... Let's be real. I don't think Polly's the one that closes the deal with him if he doesn't go a little too far with Michael in the first in the fifth episode. Definitely, he 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 pushed he pushed it over the limit for her, and she kind of she's like I have no. She she said in the episode she goes I have no parts like like she just she has nothing a part of her. She doesn't care. She's not afraid to kill him. You know, she has no shame left. He took all the shame away for her, like like from her, like after what he did. So that was, and honestly. I was not really expecting him to, to get shot either in this episode. I, I didn't think it was going to end up like that. I, I wanted it so bad. And even when Polly had his her gun to his face and was saying, you like small and weak? Well, small and weak has a gun. Didn't think she would do it. So many things in this episode you didn't think would happen. And then Polly pulls the trigger and yells, don't fuck with the Peaky Blinders. Perfect. And we could talk about so many things and still not even get to the fact that Grace is going to be a Shelby, and she has a baby. And it's Tommy's baby, and she is out there looking A1. A1, AF. We got May Carlton in the mix as well, and they have a nice little standoff. That was a great, that was a, that was a crazy scene. They're, they're kind of showing each other up a little bit. May's in a red dress. Just like season one, when Grace was at the race. May is in a red dress, and as the great Ty Dalla sign once uttered, I see two of my bitches in the club, and I know they know about each other. Maybe I'm just paranoid. And I think Tommy Shelby felt that at the Epsom races. Tommy was was uh, banging Ty Dallasheim <laughs> before the Epsom races, drinking some whiskey. You think you, you think the garrison was blasting Ty Dallasheim before or what? With a little B.O.B. And, uh, and it worked out great. And that was such a savage scene when May comes up and she says, I, I, I presumed, but John, you know, confirmed it for me. And kind of flexes her importance to Tommy, describing how she's going to lay everything up for him to make it, you know, make out like a like a banshee. And, and after they burn all of the uh, all of the Sabini betting licenses, showing how important that May can be to Tommy. And then Grace hits her with. There's business and there's, there's love. love. And May says, is there? There's Thomas Shelby. And this is a good gra- I can't. I had to write down everything. Grace says, what did you want with him? And May said, same thing you did. I want to feel alive. But the dagger at the end, and the reason why I don't think we're ever going to see May again, is when Grace said, did he tell you my name? And May says, no. Because I thought May was going to guess it because of the horse. But no, when Grace says... 
My name is Grace. You see May's face and it all changes. Everything clicks in. Tommy's been in love with Grace since the beginning. 100%. She kind of, you know, has the last laugh there. It's similar to how Tommy had the last laugh with Inspector fucking Campbell earlier in the episode when they had their little showdown. This this was an episode of, like, showdowns, like, like for the ages. We had Tommy Campbell in that, like, the, the bar clears out, like, the, the, the uh, bar area, I guess the pub at the race or whatever, you know, the tent. And everyone clears out, and it's just him and Inspector Campbell. And the lighting is, like, because it's tented off is great, and they're going after each other. And Tommy tells him, my horse's name is Grace's Secret. Yep, yep. Let me rub it in another time. He kept on rubbing it in. That's it. it, it it's the salt in the right, wound. And he even said, and all he goes, all you got was a bullet and a wolf head cane. And just a further reminder of where this all has gotten him. And it, it was a meeting, to be honest, that I think cost Tommy. Because if we're being real, and, and I don't want to, you know, critique Tommy too much, but poor fucking Lizzie. I mean, Tommy is just banking on the fact that he shows up at the exact right time that everything's going to go his way and that it doesn't because they close that entrance to get to Lizzie in the field marshal. And I think if Tommy had planned better and didn't just, uh, didn't just sit around with, uh, with his old enemy and start to, you know, swap some tropes, I think that maybe he could have found out that that entrance was closed. And I think Lizzie wouldn't have had it gone through another horrifying scene, dude, all but the you, credit to right, Cole McCarthy, two episodes in a row with terrifying insane. scenes. But to even add to that, the reason why everything didn't go to plan, like every little minute detail, like him running into Grace and her and her telling him about, you know, that she's pregnant, and Tommy's like, I have things to do. I have things to do. I can't talk about this. I can't talk the about timing. this. Every second, every single second was so important and it was off. And I think that's why, once again, why this shows this episode was a nine point six on IMDb is because you know what you didn't know what was coming every and, and and at that moment you thought Tommy Shelby was gonna you know he's perfect he's he's always to a T he dot, dots his eyes crosses his T's he always gets to always the damsel perfect. in distress right. so you know he got thrown for a wrench when he let his you know personal you know hubris get in the way with Inspector Campbell and then also with Grace running into him and you know dropping that bomb on him. He was a little shook in the moment, and, and poor Lizzie got, was collateral damage in it all, man. I would have loved for this episode to have a 24-style clock in the top corner, kind of showing showing <laughs> off, the, and then like, dun-dun, dun-dun, and like a Jack Bauer running. That been, it would have been, been fitting. Tommy running around like Jack Bauer. That's how I felt it. And he had a good, a good little um, back and forth. You mentioned, you know, you once said to me that men like us could never be loved, right. but she loves me. And all you got was a bullet and a wolf head cane. I have that down as one of my favorite quotes of the episode. And then the delusional Major Campbell says, I, would, I have the love of God and the certainty of salvation while you have damnation. Like, what? What are you smoking, dude? I literally wrote down, okay, bro. I said, LOL. Like, oh, I said, okay, bro. You have the love of God? No, you don't. You are the devil. He has the love of women he pays. And then Tommy says, today, it'll be me dead or you. But whoever it is will wake up in hell tomorrow. Facts. Beautiful. Beautiful. Tommy almost woke up in hell. And his face when the guy... I, I actually really like that guy's face. He just has one of those familiar faces. I'm going to see if I could look up his name. The unnamed red right hand guy who was working for the uh, for Churchill. He looks like someone in season three that I won't say. 
but he does. He does look like it. But no, I'm telling you, his face. I, I have a feeling that I've seen him something. I like his face, but I like Tommy's actual acting. Killian Murphy Amazing. needs an an Emmy or something from that one scene where he says, "I almost had everything." So fucking close. Oh, and there's a woman, a woman I love, and I nearly got fucking everything. And then the in the bleak yeah. midwinter hits. Yeah, go ahead, hit me with it. I nearly fucking had everything, and I was like, "Ooh, I, I, it, it hit me! It hit me!" In the bleak midwinter, bang bang, the 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 undercover undercover red right hand guy shoots the other two guys. And when Tommy was walking away and he and he trips over in the ditch, I don't even think we need to do a season two recap. Literally, that expression right there when he's yelling "fuck" is literally season two for Tommy. Yeah, it's the whole thing. I mean, that that represents his entire plight in this in, in this thing, and and all my tears by Ann Brun starts to play as he's you know stumbling through the field and then showing up and seeing Michael. And Michael is such. I mean, what is he in this in this episode for five minutes? But he's important because it shows that tall Polly. Someone made a bet. You know, Tommy and Polly made that bet whether. Michael would grab the money and go to London or not. And we don't know. They never tell us who won the bet because Michael decides to stay and he wants real money. But when Tommy comes back and and finishes it with, you know, announcing that he's going to get married to Grace, it's awesome. What, what's your what's your take there? Do you think that Polly bet that Michael would leave hoping that he would? Or do you think Tommy bet that Michael would leave thinking that he would take the money? I think Tommy thought that Michael was going to stay the whole time. And Paul and Polly, Polly was just like throwing a bone, and you know, she's kind of just like it's like her like last, her last like attempt to get him to just get out of this of of the scum. And I was expecting Michael to to stay. I don't know about you, just the whole time. I, I honestly don't even have. I don't know. I don't have an opinion um, on it. I just don't. I I have no idea. Yeah. It's like it's one of those things that I I can go both ways. You can convince me. His act, the actor's name of the undercover officer in the UVF Hardman. The volunteer uh, guy was Brendan Gibson, and he uh, has only been in two other, you know, films ever: Mr. Selvridge and Penny Dreadful. I don't think I've definitely seen, haven't seen those films. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. Seen, <laughs> he's from Belfast, but I liked I liked him. Let's, Josh, we got to get to it. Let's get to the epic encounter between Alfie and Tommy when Tommy brings oh. James for the cause <laughs> James the roommate the gay roommate of Ada for him to stand outside and the bluff of all bluffs for the fucking cause or was it was it a bluff do you think it was a bluff first of all what bluff do you think there was a grenade there when i originally saw it no oh 100% he laid a grenade you think so i really do I don't know. I, I have I have no idea because I first of all I'm trying to think of how that would even work. You know, when you pull a grenade, doesn't it just go off after six seconds? It's got to be something I don't special. Think, I don't think Alfie like would have been just like freaking out with Tom. He, he could have been like, oh, I don't believe it, and like walked like you know what I mean? Because Ollie knew the exact spot that he did it, so they could have just walked over and like been like, oh, it's not there. Yeah, why didn't they do that? I don't know because I think he actually laid the grenade. I don't know. All right, let's let's talk about that scene. For those of you that haven't seen the episode in a while, Tommy stops to tie his shoelace next to one big uh, barrel that says it says like Christmas or something something on. It. I forgot exactly. And then Alfie tries to flip the script. First, he has Arthur, you know, released by having all of the witnesses retract their statements 
when Arthur was framed for killing Billy Kitchen last episode. <laughs> fucking Alfie. You, you remember, every time I love Alfie, I'm like, fucking Alfie. He did this and this and this, and he just backtracks it. And then instead of 20% of the business, he just casually has his lawyers draw up a new agreement that takes 100%. And he's like, just sign it. Just sign it, Tommy. He's like, don't worry, mate. It's literally bonding. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, a hundred percent. He's like, he's like, a hundred percent. He's like, a hundred percent of the business. And he's like, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. He's like, sign, sign the fucking contract. It's non fucking right negotiable. He's like, he's like, he's like, sign the fucking contract. Yeah, right there. With your pet. With your peg. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like, he's like, he's like, no. He's like, no. He's like, well, it's not fucking negotiable. Tommy, like, Tommy, I'm going to fucking shoot you. He's like, I'm going to fucking shoot you. Oh my god, man. He's like, I bet. He goes, like, I, I bet a hundred to one. You're fucking lying about the grenade. Yep. And then he goes on and on, and explains further, and he's like, he's like, all right. He's like, based off the fob, I would, I would give you sixty-five to one. Good odds. Good odds that you're fucking lying. And uh, Tommy says that the guy standing outside is a fascist, right? He says it's a fascist that that one of those that blows up Wall Street. Chicago, he 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 blew up Wall Street uh, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah he's, well, a, he's like he's a professional, you would say. He's kind of just spewing, but whatever. And then and then it goes down from from a hundred to sixty five to forty five, and then they agree on thirty five percent as Tommy starts to break down who he was in the war, which is interesting because he talks about being in the one hundred and seventy ninth you know, platoon or, or district or whatever it was. And Alfie's like, you know, I've, I heard about the 179th and I heard they all got buried. And this is a new thing for us. We didn't know this. I guess Tommy, Freddy, was it Tommy, Freddy. Whizbang, and Freddy all got out and they were the only ones in their entire regiment that dug themselves out. And he's like, like, like you're digging yourself out now. Tommy's like, yeah, like I'm digging myself out now. So I have, I have a question about this, this, in, this last interaction. Does this like just push Alfie over and he's like, damn, fuck. I, like, I, I just like believe him or like I respect him. It was like a respect thing. Or was I think it- Alfie just love everyone falls for Killian Murphy, Tommy Shelby. I think Alfie's like, damn, I just want to be friends with this dude. <laughs> fuck fuck Darby just, Sabini. He, he just wants to drink that bottle of whiskey he put on the desk and say, fuck all the business, right? And you can't forget that this is all because Sabini promised Alfie that his men would be able to go to Ap- Epson. And they didn't, he didn't come through with the promise. And I think that's why Alfie turned. It wasn't like out of nowhere, Alfie's like, you know what? I'm going to fucking double switch on Darby Sabini. It's because Sabini didn't come through with, with the promise that he wrote down. He wrote it down, Josh. 100%. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's all written down. Yeah. Fairy to real, kind of real, fairy to real, kind of real. Paste between the Jews and the Italians. And it didn't happen. That was a great interaction too. But yeah, that was a, that was a wild scene. And poor, poor Ollie, man. He could easily be if he wasn't such a minor character. Although I did give give Dig Beth Kid a loser back then. <laughs> poor Ollie. poor Dig Beth Kid. Poor poor, poor Ollie. Ollie could have easily been the loser's episode. Alfie tells him to go to fucking. He's like, you're behaving like a fucking child. He's like, be a bad. He's like, now go in the corner like a little boy. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Yeah, Ollie. The whole time, Ollie is like us at home. He's like, he's like, fuck. He did it. He tied his he tied his fucking lace. Yeah, he tied his fucking lace. He's Thomas fucking Shell, and then he gets interrupted and, and scalded by uh, by Alfie's Alfie. Alfie's punches. By the way, like they have a different sound. They really do. <laughs> they just they hit different, man. Yeah, that was a poor Ollie, but that was a that was a great scene. And Tommy, you you knew he was guns blazing the rest of the way. 
he, he shows up a little late to Arthur and Arthur's like, where were you? And he goes, I had business. And he took care of that business and he makes the deal with Alfie. And now Alfie's back on the side of the winners. And now as we, we talk about Epson, they burn the license, as we mentioned. They take all the pitches. It was cool how they didn't have to shoot anyone. You know, no, no, no bullets were fired. And great music again. PJ Harvey's Down by the Water, one of your favorite songs that she's done, it. starts to play. As Sabini arrives, Epsom begins, the horses are all running, and obviously Tommy and Lizzie get, get into their old little ways. And I liked the sounds of the races while Tommy's you know, trying to get to her, but I didn't like that we don't ever, and I, I might save it for nitpicks, and I'll, I'll just mention it really quickly. We can go over it at the very end. I have a couple nits to pick, even though this is my favorite episode ever. It's because I think it, I want it to be perfect. I wanted a little bit of the race. It would have been cool yeah, to watch the race. Definitely, man. I, it, it, we don't even know how Grace's secret finished. Period. I was in like like so so I know Tommy's fixing the races and he doesn't really care about the race. But why didn't like his horse? Like he didn't give a shit about his horse at all because he knew Nam de Guerre was gonna win. Right. So he told everyone, "Ten ball on Nam de Guerre. Here she's gonna win." So like like and it, like how do you fix a horse race? I'm very like. It's very hard to fix, like to, to get your horse to not win the race. Yeah, the only time they've mentioned it in the past is the only thing that they do is they shoot the the horse that they want to win with co- with cocaine, and they shoot the other one with uh, the other ones right. with morphine. You're right, that's the good old fashioned way. Right, you're right. Yeah, no. So Nam Daguerre wins. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we need to watch the race since we already knew who won. I guess. <laughs> I mean, we get May kind of praying, like at least just place, at least just place, which is top three, just show, and uh, and that's it. I, before we jump, and we don't, we don't even find out. We don't know at all. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, before we jump into our favorite quotes from the episode, we get one more fantastic scene between Tommy and an antagonist, and it is Sabini. And Sabini, this might be my favorite. Is this the first time Sabini sat down with Tommy Shelby? I think so, right? Yeah, like face to face. Is this the first time? I mean, there's no phone. I guess there was phones back then, but they didn't talk either. I don't. I might be wrong. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the first and only time Sabini and Tommy talk in this season. Oh, yes, yes. I have it written down. Sabini and Tommy finally meet. And Sabini's right-hand guy, and I had an issue with this. Sabini's right-hand guy says, you ought to have that brother of yours put down. And Tommy has a funny little response. I tried that. He bit the vet. But I'm like, dude, you tried to kill his brother, and you're upset that he ripped you apart? <laughs> he, sh- he should honestly be thanking Tommy that he sent Arthur knowing that Arthur is so bad at killing people. No, he's so good at not killing them. It's the opposite. Yeah, right, right. He's so good at at not killing people. Exactly. So he should be he should be thanking Tommy. But this uh this this showdown and Tommy just owns him. Just puts him to bed. Every single step until the very end when Darby smug ass is yelling, You lose! You lose every yeah. part of it is a Tommy win because Darby's like I told them you were gypsy scum. My coppas are going to be here soon. But they were busy with the king. And Tommy's like, you had a problem trusting the coppas. My guys are having a field day down there with your licenses. And he's like, fuck, fuck. It's insane. And and then, you know, he gets he, he gets taken away by the coppas. Well, he first, first Sabini pulls the fucking wine bottle on him. Yeah. After he, first he tries to pull the gun. And Tommy says, be smart. If you pull this gun, you are the king's assassin. Yep. So instead, Darby's like, okay, I'm just going to smash this wine bottle in half and try to old school fight him. And that didn't work. It was the same, like, cool, calm, and collected Tommy uh, earlier in the episode at Alfie's when he had a gun pointed to him. And, you know, it was 
someone was telling him to give away 100% of the business, and he didn't flinch, not not an inch. Everything to a T. Everything to a T. He he knew that he wasn't gonna gonna die, you know, that day, until maybe possibly the end. But uh, so he owns Sabini here because Sabini thinks Sabini just like has a short temper. You, if you have a short temper against Tommy Shelby, you're fucked. So I mentioned that one quote. There's also a really good one in the beginning that I had a question about. Okay, so I, I don't understand this one, and I'd like for someone to help me out here. When Arthur gets released from prison, the guy who works in the in the in the prison comes in and he says this line, and I watched it three times, and I wrote it down exactly because I got the subtitles on. Josh, he says, "Hands off, Cox. One with socks." the fuck does that mean and arthur's like just come one at a time i want to beat you up and he's like no you're getting released what is hands off cox one with socks i have absolutely zero idea i it it, it could be some like you know european like i mean like british saying or something it's a thing maybe it's a thing they say to the to the prisoners to make yeah. them so they keep their hands in the air i have no idea yeah it, it probably is that honestly yeah probably just like hands over your head you know I guess. I, I also really liked, I wrote down, I liked how Tommy talks to the horse. How he goes, yeah, hello, yes. hello, hello. And then he, he whispers in Romany. What was, it was, it was like, cocky ball, cocky, like, or something like that. I mean, it's a different language, so I couldn't, I don't know. No, I know. That was, sounds awesome, right, Josh. And then, and then the, uh, the, uh, the horse click, the, like the, whatever he does, yeah, he yeah. does with his, with his, whatever. I love when he does that. Yeah, like that. Uh, what's, um, do you have a favorite? Horse. Do you have a favorite quote of the episode? My favorite quote was probably the the Wolf Kane uh, one. It, it was just like stuck it to him. I mean, there were so many just like there were so many like you know like not like crazy thought out things, but like just like don't fuck with the Peaky Blinders was like amazing by Paul. I have to have one my one resident Johnny Dogs quote of the episode because he's just Ooh, the fucking they, best. And he goes when they promoted him that no first. First, it's when Arthur gets into the car and Johnny Dog says, you've got to call Tommy. It's all part of Tommy's plan. And then he yes. waits and then he goes, apparently. <laughs> Tommy's always got a plan. And then they promote him to captain. And, uh, and Johnny Dog's like, no longer like a sergeant major. Fucking those rich women and using those fancy words. That, yeah, honestly, that, that, that's the best quote of the episode. He's like, he's like, he's like we promoted you. I just Johnny Dogs. He's he's such an underrated great character. Packy Lee steals the show. I mean, he's he's. If we can get, hey Packy, if you want to come on the podcast, we will be the Packy Lee podcast. We are the number one Peaky Blinders podcast in in the realm. So it's like we need Packy Lee on to to really solidify. He needs to he needs to sing Red Right Hand so we can play that as our intro. We're gonna we're gonna speak it into existence. Packy Lee, we'll see you soon. All right, you gypsies out there, I know one of you has to know Packy. And uh, as we do that, we, we have to talk about the end, the very, very end when Tommy's like, I've got some ideas for the future of the family. And also, I'm planning on getting married. Final line, season ends. Honestly, my reaction to that is just about damn time, man. About damn time. Like, since the, since the, the, the second they like first, you know, started getting it on i'm like this is gonna be a thing and then when she when she left just like let's just think about grace's progression here do you do you think that it's grace or do you think that it's or or that it's may 
Oh, it's Grace. You know, he's having a baby. All he wants is to have a kid. Remember, he talked about it so many times. Right, right. So, like, I was watching it with, with, with someone, who, with, with people who hadn't watched it before. They're like, oh, my God, is it May or is it Grace? And I'm like, it's Grace, obviously. Like, is there even a question? Come on. It's obviously Grace. He but, said uh, he said he loves her. She said she loves him. And that's a very important part of this episode, too. Yeah. she She's finally back, and she's pregnant. They're getting married. Setting up season three beautifully. I mean, we got this new plot. You know, that Churchill has a job for Tommy. It's probably going to set up season three. We got Grace pregnant. We got a wedding coming up. You know, Campbell's out of the picture. Sabini, you know, Alfie, you know, is kind of at Tommy's whim at the moment. So there's just so many different things that season two just set up perfectly, you know. Sabini's still just like floating, which I I never really thought about. The fact that they didn't close that storyline in any fashion. So that's interesting. I mean, all of his men no longer have gambling licenses, but I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, it's also interesting. I got to point this out. Most shows would have ended it with Tommy stumbling across the, uh, the yard with that music playing and him kind of yelling. But no, not, not this show. We get to see Arthur living his best life. This is Arthur peaking right here. He's king of the world. He's got this big speech saying, who's going to stop us, eh? We're the peaky fucking blinders, the yeah. small heath well, rifles, like, the, the Lee boys. Yeah. yeah. And then he says, nobody. And the pinky fucking blinders. And he says, and then he kind of like takes a shot and him and John like look at each other and he's like, nobody. And you texted me saying that's bad, bad vibes. I did. I did say bad vibes. Just like, and if you look at John's face very closely, you could see Okay. It. I've got something to say about that. Cause I, I saw it the first time I watched it, you know, a couple weeks ago when I was doing my full rewatch and I was like. Is he, does he have bad, bad vibes about Arthur? And then, do you know what it is? I, I watched it very intently. He looks at he Esme? looks at Esme. Esme and Johnny Dogs are having a grand old time. John has a weird look, and then he looks at Johnny Dogs, which is such a weird thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, I've finished it. If we finish the show, nothing comes of that. So it's just a yeah, weird no- thing to throw in. Maybe it was like a Stephen Knight, hey, you know, I can leave this door open if I want to. We can have a little interior family fight between John and Johnny dogs. And they never did. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I kind of was just like, this is, is bad. Like, just like, it was a, it was a culmination of everything that's happened. Like, you know, think about where we started in the show and this is the season finale of episode two. So like, it's kind of just like a realization. The characters are just like, Holy fuck. Like this just happened. Everything culminated to this. Inspector Campbell was a thorn at their side the whole entire time. Like, the whole time they were dealing with him. And he's gone. They they have control. It's kind of just like, holy shit, like, is this... Did we, did we go through all of that and get here, you know, and is it done? And don't forget, kind of don't forget that there's no way that no one's going to get blamed for the killing of a major. You know what I mean? Right. He's dead. People probably saw Polly with blood on her shirt clearly walking away. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in winners and losers. But I've got one more thing to mention that I, I that it was not it was not answered, and I'm I'm curious to see what take you have on it. Before Polly gives Michael the loaded cash and tells him to go to London, we get a scene of Michael answering the phone, middle middle midway through the episode, before the race starts, and it's we only get Michael's side of it, and he says, "No, Tommy Shelby's not here. No, he's at the he's at Epsom. He's at the races." May I ask who's speaking? And then the, the other person hangs up. It's weird. You know, like, Tom, weird. Michael just gave away where Tommy Shelby, a very important man, is located. 
but I'm not really sure who doesn't know that and who would gain by the information of knowing that. Yeah, I honestly like that kind of flew over my head too, but it's it's interesting. The end of this episode kind of like it has things make just leave you thinking. You're not sure. Send us your your takes, you know, B-O-O-T Peaky Blinders at gmail.com or on Facebook or on Twitter. And now we can get to winners and losers. And before we do your winner, I know you're gonna we're gonna spend some time on your winner too. My winner's a quick one. It's Winston Churchill. Because he, he was on the phone with Campbell. Yeah, it's an interesting one. He was on the phone with Campbell before he dies, basically, you know, getting the uh the the four one one that everything's taken care of. You know, they they won. The IRA is gonna get blamed for it. And he's like, What about our, our friend in Birmingham? And the Campbell's like, Oh, he's taken care of. So Winston wins in every regard and he gets to retain his little whatever you want to call him, a kamikaze, you know, ace in the hole by keeping Tommy and killing the other two red right hand guys. Winston Churchill, he might win the season for me. We'll talk about winners and losers of the season when we do our season two recap soon. We're going to record that in a little bit. But he's, I mean, he gets everything he wanted and we know he's going to end up being an epic leader for, for England. Yeah, and it's just, once again, we mentioned this kind of mixing reality, you know, with fiction. And I just love how Churchill is just, Churchill is so heavily involved with everything. He's he's the catalyst in a, in a way. So it's crazy how, how they incorporate into the show without, with rarely showing him. Um, so it's, that's an interesting winner. He definitely does get everything he wants. All right, go ahead. Hit me with your winner. My winner of this episode for ultimate revenge is Polly Gray. She finally gets back. You know, she was my loser last episode. And in one episode, does a total 180 and is the winner of this episode, gets her revenge on Inspector Campbell, shoots him in the damn gut, gets to say gets to say her piece to him, and it's just total gratification for her that, you know, she, she gets to put all that, that thing behind her. You kind of felt that it was like she was putting everything behind her, all, all, all the bad, and, you know, hopefully to her, Michael is going to stay out of it as well because that's all she wants. And right now, Inspector Campbell's gone for her life, and she gets the ultimate revenge. So I'm going to go with Polly Gray as my winner. Yeah, I, I mean, I love how she's twisted from loser to winner. And I, if you didn't pick her, I wanted to pick her because how you had her as the loser, we both pretty much decided right. she's, well she's been the loser, when you think about it, multiple episodes this season. Because remember in the second episode, she meets her long-lost son coming home from a one-night stand. So now she gets to finish it on top. But I'm curious to see how the mental strain of a murder will be. And, and it was almost a, uh, it was a revenge killing, but at the same time, it's not like her life was in jeopardy. So it's an interesting one for the conscience. Yeah, it's not like, you know, she could just plead self-defense like she was getting attacked. She sought him out. So it's a little sus, but personally, she got her revenge. So I'm happy for Paul. Uh, she's my winner. Who you got as a loser? My loser here is another minor character who just, <laughs> had a tough episode she got broken up with last episode stuck around with tommy and uh it's may carlton poor may has to deal with meeting grace getting the realization that it's the re it's her name is grace and then on top of that her horse lost we assume we, we don't think that grace's secret one she's not even watching the race she she puts on this beautiful red dress after Tommy says he will meet her, no matter what, Tommy said he's going to meet her. She said He said, remember, no matter what, I'm going to meet you. And he leaves her. Not his fault. He got kidnapped. But he leaves her, 
has that standoff with Grace where she, at the end of the day, she may had some good, some good digs, but Grace won that argument. That won that conversation at the end by basically, she didn't even, Grace could have dropped the I'm pregnant and she, she had the, the wherewithal to get the higher ground and not even say it, but poor May, I don't, I don't know how much more May we're going to see. Definitely poor May. She, uh, she, she, she like low key, like loves Tommy. Like, like I can't tell if she loves him, but she's, yeah, I don't she's know. under his spell, man. She keeps so saying, remember, she, she said it to Grace. She said, we're looking for the same thing. We want to feel alive. So it, it could just be going through a phase. At least in real life, Charlotte Riley gets to go home to Tom Hardy. That's very true. And that's going to lead into my loser. I'm going to go with Alfie as my loser. Hey, we've got married losers. Got married. Wow. I didn't even realize Whoa, that. Whoa, we didn't that do that totally on purpose. That was not planned, guys. It was not planned. But Alfie is my loser. Because he just gets destroyed by Tommy in that standoff. And, you know, he, like, thought he was just going to get 100% of the business. And, you know, he was going to have Tom. He was going to have Tommy playing second fiddle to him and do whatever he wanted. And, nope, Tommy walks out and negotiates the shit back down to 30%, 35%. And he got played. I and mean, we usually don't see, you know, Alfie really get played like that. So he's my loser in this episode. Nitpick time. You never have nits to pick, so I'll, I have a lot of nits to pick. I just can't. I just can't like think like it's just such a good show that I like. I can't individually think about like nits to pick. All right, you ready for this one? Because I think you're gonna feel me on this, and this is just because I know the world of sports betting, and I am so frustrated that a show about gambling on horses kind of messes this up, and a lot of people mess this up. It's a commonly mistaken phrase. Ready? When Alfie says, I bet 100 to 1 that he's lying, that would mean that it's a long shot that Tommy's lying. It should be, I bet 1 to 100, because that means he's obviously lying, right? So 100 to 1, for those of you that don't gamble, means that you bet $1 and you win 100, or 1 pound and you win 100. So a horse that has three legs would be 100 to 1 underdog. Now, if Alfie were to bet 100 to 1 that Tommy's lying about the grenade... That means he's almost certain that Tommy's telling the truth. So he mixed that up. They, they flipped it. And then he says 65 to 1, which is still a pretty big... 65 to 1, I think, is what Leicester was to win the Premier League a couple of years ago. They, they, they were. And it's, and it's Leicester. But whatever. Whatever. You're, someone's going to call you out. Fine. Our, Leicester. Some of our uh, UK fans are going are gonna to call you out for that. But, okay. Uh, uh, no, uh, 100%. That, was, that, was, that doesn't make any sense. Right, and you said it in this episode, and I let you slide so that I can nitpick at the end. Didn't even I didn't even think about it in it for a second because the odds got better as you started believing him more. So what? That that's just completely what? Or no, I'm saying the like like the odds like it was more ob it was more obvious that Tommy was lying. Is what right. I'm saying. Right, and he right. And, and he said sixty five to one now, mate. And no, it should have been like whatever. He made a mistake. They made a mistake. A lot of people do too. They'll be like, you know. 50 to 1 on on this team that they think is going to win. No, it's the opposite. If you think a team's going to win, it would be like 1 to 2 odds. Right, right. Yeah. No, there's there's that's definitely a nit to pick. I guess I guess the the one other nit that I had to pick, which we discussed is which one which wanted to see a little bit of the race. Give me 20 seconds of them racing with a racehorse. We even have like a minor commentary and I turned on the subtitles to see if they said like how Grace's secret was doing and it just says commentary continues. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was a little disappointing. Like you know, I wanted to see Grace's secret, you know, run a little bit. Just see, just know what happened at least. And I mean, also, once again, where is Carl? Where's just, Carl? Another Carl, episode. We, Carl we just got one second of Ada. 
We got one second of Ada yeah, in this she episode was there. too. She was, she was no, there she wasn't the, at the race, was she? She was. Yes, she was hopping around with the uh, with the with the fascist communist dude. Oh, she was with James. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they and were they were the first ones seen at Epson that that yep. that we seen. So and then that, at the end, she hugs Polly for like one second. Right, right, right. So all right, I've I've got one more nit to pick. I've got one more nit to pick. Hold on, and this is one that you have to pick too. Everyone has to pick this nit. Tommy Shelby, the 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 smartest man in the entire city of Birmingham doesn't check how many bullets he has in his fucking gun. That wasn't dude. He could have just shot the field marshal. He didn't check how many bullets he had. He, Come on, I mean, man. He was thrown off, man. He was, <laughs> but still, yeah, he, he usually is not the one to make that mistake. So you texted me that when you watched it. Yeah. I was like, what the hell, man? Oh God. Something's in the show. Firing blanks. It's very true. So that's it. That, that is, that is a net to pick. All right, we're going to do our season two recap soon. So keep an eye out for that. Josh and I will have our winners and losers of the season and kind of a where are they now heading into season three. For those of you that just tuned in for your favorite episode of season two and then now we're wondering where everyone else stands, we'll be releasing that soon. So keep an eye out. Facebook.com slash Peaky Podcast. Twitter at By Order of Peaky. And send us that uh, feedback. Answer our questions. We've got a couple unanswerable questions that I think are pretty unanswerable. So we'll see if you guys like, have some answers. Like where for is us. Carl? Like where is Carl? That one's obvious. That's it. I, I think no one knows where Carl is, right? I mean, uh, who knows? Is there, there's gotta be a show called the nannies of Birmingham. Cause oh, someone's yeah. gotta be looking after all these kids. Where are all the John's kids? We're speaking into existence. All right. That'll wrap up this episode. Finish our season two breakdown. We'll have the recap for you soon. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. And we binge. So you don't have to. the stacks On a gathering storm comes a tall handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand Hey